You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I am Claire, your host, and I'm super excited. I've got my friend Allie Mood here today. She's sweating. I'm sweating. We're I'm both sweating. sweating. Yeah, I'm sweating. Um, so y'all, Allie and I went to college together. This is like kind of the funniest backstory. I'm not going to tell the long backstory, but if yeah, you, don't use any names. If I won't, but if you want to know the long backstory, you can message me. Um, Allie and I hated each other in college. <laughs> We were because we because we were the same person in the same group of friends playing the same role and we just like didn't like each other. So anyway, after college, long story short, Allie and I like both kind of came to Christ at the same time. And she sent me this message and I was like crying and on my knees, like praying in my bedroom was like, what is happening? And (laughs) anyway, so that's ever since then, we Mm -hmm. have been friends and share so many of the same opinions and philosophies. And it's just been really fun to reconnect. Um, Allie lives in Columbia and if you have kids, she has the freaking cutest vintage pattern kids' clothes called Poppy and Hen, which I love for my girls. Um, and we wanted to get some from the last collection, but our sizes were all sold out. So make some more. Anyway. Hey, Allie. Hey. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Okay. So I, the reason why um, I wanted to have you on is, and I'll just kind of tell everybody, and then I want you to tell your you and Poppy's story. So Allie's daughter has um, a condition called pandas, and I'll, I'm going to have her explain it because she knows significantly more about it um, than I do. But I feel like, you know, this podcast is, I don't really know, like we, we have, I have medical guests, but I want it to be, I also have medical listeners. So I've got a lot of providers that listen. And so one thing that I think is really important is to have patients on, you know, people that have been through mm-hmm. a medical experience so that they can tell how things were from the patient side, because it is particularly with, with children's conditions, I think, and this might sound, I don't know how this is going to sound, but it's really easy and sorry, but it's really easy to be like, that mom is crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where things get sticky and tricky. And we need to keep hearing the story from the family. Do you know what I mean? To kind mm-hmm. of bring it back to that the personalization that is and should be like the practice of medicine. So anyway, I want you to tell, just tell your, tell the okay. story or however you okay. want to tell it. Um, so I, de- there were times where the medical community definitely made me feel crazy right. because I couldn't find any answers, but. So who is it, Poppy first? So Poppy is my daughter. She is 10, almost 11. And um, at the age of four, almost five, we were living in Columbia, and she suddenly, out of nowhere, after swimming in the pool the summer before, um, had this extreme fear of water. And so she woke up one day, and she was like, I don't want to go near that lake. What if we all drown in the lake? And really just irrational fears. If she'd take a bath, she was afraid that she was going to drown in the bath. Maybe she'd go down the drain. Yeah. It's hard. My daughter is five right now. And I'm like thinking about her doing that 180 is. 
Yeah, it was a kind of Because five is old enough, right, where you're doing all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're swimming. You're swimming, you're you, She swam for summers, really, at this point. So I guess two summers almost. She was four. And so, yeah, I mean, she was swimming. I mean, we were always around pools. So there, it was very abnormal. Um, and so she would, it was bath time every night became me physically. And it's something that I look back on and it just makes me so sad. I right. physically would hold her in the bath and like hold her down. Where she was screaming, yelling, get me out of the bathtub. I'm going to drown. I'm going to drown. And so it was something that I thought, okay, this is wild behavior, but you know, I have a history of anxiety. She might be a little bit quirky. Um, and maybe it'll pass. And so I would mention it to our pediatrician and she would just kind of say, I think it'll pass. It might just be something she's going through. You know, it's summer, like she may be experiencing, you know, there's no structure. And so I kind of just let it sit for a little while. At the same time, she, um, started having nightmares. So like, I didn't put the two of them together until I looked back, but she started having nightmares at the same time. Just little things that kind of just seemed off. And I was like, my child is like, something's off. She's going through something. Yeah, something's going on. We don't know what it is, but something's going on. Well, we went a whole, probably like a whole four months like that. And then we moved to Charleston. Mm -hmm. And so it was a whole summer pretty much where she was off. I mean, she would lose a toy and we wouldn't stop talking about the toy which is kind of normal for that age like four and five like you lose a toy I might talk about the toy for a little bit but it was like all day long yeah where's the toy why did we lose my toy who's gonna find my toy when is my toy gonna come back and it would almost very obsessive. obsessive and so um we also noticed like a little bit of a throat clearing that she would do and it it, but they kind of just sat I mean I would mention it to the pediatrician we would go on, nothing really happened. And then we moved to Charleston. And so it was four months of that. And we moved to Charleston and it exploded. I mean, her beha- her psychiatric symptoms exploded. Right. And so... Um, because a move at that age is tough for them tough. anyway. And so then now in hindsight, it just... It makes sense. Yeah. Because we... So we went, we came to, got into a school like two days before the school started she started right. going to um, the little school downtown mm-hmm. in Charleston and was going to school. And I started saying to her teachers, do y'all notice anything about her behavior? Like, right. And they're like, no, she's great. And um, my husband and I, right when we moved here, looking back, we can see all this. We both had an extremely like off-the-wall, crazy case of strep. Both me and Drew got strep at the same time. As like, adults? That's as crazy. adults. Ugh. Could not get out of bed. We had people picking up Poppy from school that we didn't even know because we just moved here. Yeah. They're like, we'll bring your child home. Like, you know, and we went to our new pediatrician here and they're like, you know, we, we don't, we're seeing what you're saying. Like, we think that maybe she has some behavioral issues. Yeah. And I'm like, my child, like... My children do have behavioral issues. Like, don't get me wrong. We all, like, well, well, I mean, I'm like, like right. they're Edith. Woo. And so, <laughs> so, but I was like, Poppy does not have, like, sh- there's nothing behavioral going on here. Like, this is you not. You mean this behavioral, is, like. Like, she might need some therapy and, like, and some medicine. So, right away, they're like, we think she might need therapy and medicine. And I'm like, okay. no, like, but this was out of nowhere. Like, these behaviors are out of nowhere. But let's do the therapy. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm all for therapy and as an adult, I'm all for medicine. And so I'm like, okay, let's, let's get her a therapist. And so I got her a therapist and they started treating her for OCD. And so we went to this therapist 
probably, we started out twice a week mm-hmm. and then moved it down to once a week. And it, they started real, realizing that like all the CBT, the, you know, all the cognitive behavioral therapy was not working. And they yeah. were like, we're like doing all this stuff to help her thoughts get unstuck, to help her with the water. And she had also developed a, what we now know was OCD. What we thought was a tick was she was licking her hands repeatedly. So what? So over and over again, licking her hands all day long. And then at night she would start repeating things. Last one, last one. And she was telling herself in her head, like, this is the last time I lick my hand. Oh my gosh. Um, Oh, it was awful. Like we, like the amount of days I like cried just looking for answers. And so right. I kept, so I would drive back to Columbia to go to my pre- pediatrician in Columbia while also going to the pediatrician in West Ashley. And I'm like, and they would just keep being like, I don't like, you know, were we, they saying OCD then? So like, were they were they saying, at least saying that? And OCD okay. and my, and my sweet pediatrician in Columbia was not, I was, should not even have been going to her. And yeah. she's like, yes, we will keep seeing you. But, right. um, you know, Allie, like you can't keep driving. Didn't say that, but I knew it was kind of like you you live somewhere else now. And so, no, they kept it in our doctor's office here, kept telling us over and over again, just behavioral. And so we were still going to the therapist. And then they finally referred me to a psychiatrist in Mount Pleasant. And we went to the psychiatrist. I was like, let me hear her out. Yeah. And we walked in there and I mean, it was like three minutes and they were like, okay, she needs Prozac. And I was like, well, she's five. So she had just right. turned five. Oh and I'm like, gosh. oh, five. That's, so then that I'm, is scary yeah. to try to put your five-year-old on Prozac. Well, gosh. and then I go and I'm like reading all the, the like pamphlets. I'm like, but right here and here, it says that they didn't even test anybody until you don't approve it till the age of eight. Like she's five. And so of course I left didn't fill the prescription. And then one day, um, it, I'm, I'm sitting in my therapist office for Poppy and they're like, I mean, we didn't tell you about this before because just your history, your family's history and everything. And, but this is a sheet on pandas and mm-hmm. it's pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with streptococcal infections. Okay. Say and that so, again slowly. Cause I, I know, yeah. I mean, people are going to want to know exactly what so, she ended up having. So pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with streptococcal infection. So strep, yes. associated with strep. And so I just went through the list and I just read like sudden abrupt onset of OCD. Mm-hmm. Um, You're checking anxiety, all the boxes. Checking yeah. all, like I'm looking at the list and I'm like anxiety, um, you know, Night night terrors, um, facial tics, you know, throat throat clearing. So, yes, just and- everything. And I'm like, oh my! And I just like literally, I didn't like. Normally, I would think I would just start weeping. I did not. I literally was like, goodbye. I grabbed Poppy, I hightailed it to the pediatrician's office. Yeah, who will remain nameless because I just I right. was so angry, and I literally I did not even call and I flung the door open. And I said, give my child a strep cold, like swab her throat right now. Yeah. And they were like, ma'am, you need an appointment. I'm like, swab her throat right now. And they, uh, my doctor wasn't even there. They were <laughs> like, a little crazy? aggressive. So I think that's normal. It's that they not crazy. shocking yeah. at that point <laughs> to get labeled as the crazy uh, lady, yes. but. I'm like, swab it now. I'm but like, again, do it now. like, but this yeah. is so important because they've, I do feel like we've got to also realize <laughs> No one is excusing crazy behavior. Okay, we've all been there. I've done it. We've mm-hmm. all done it. But you forget this lady has been watching her child suffer 
with this obsessive fear and misery and mm-hmm. for what week months? I mean, how? Yeah, at this point, we're probably up to like six. We're at six, seven months. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's, yes, there's always crazy, but there's something behind the crazy. And I think we totally forget that. Yeah. So, okay. So, I was, cra- so I was all up barged, in there. I mean, I barged in the office. And um, I mean, I'm like that with everything. But I did. I barged up in there and I'm like, swab her throat. And I saw a doctor who was not my doctor. And I still like couldn't figure out who it was because I was so like, I was in a blackout. I was You're crazy in a tizzy. blackout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they swabbed her throat and it, it came back positive. And I was like... And she wasn't sick. No. So no... That's what's important yes. to know because typically when you do a throat culture or a rapid swab or whatever, the, the child, mm-hmm. the adult, would be actively sick with a strep infection. None. So they swabbed her, and she was positive, but she was not sick at all. Yes. So no no physical strep symptoms. Right. No throat, not like how Drew and I had been. Like pus in your tonsils. Like we could not get, we thought gross. we had the flu. Right. Could not get out of bed. You're sick as a dog. In such pain. And so we, um, they swabbed her, and I was like, I mean, I almost, I, I was like, Oh my gosh! This probably is the like answer. thank God. I was, yeah, I, thank God. I would yeah. never been so happy. Every time I get a strep, positive strep, I am so happy on yeah. any of my children. I'm like, thank goodness. And so because there's an explanation. There's an explanation. There's an answer. And so they started her on um, Omnicef. Ten days of Omnicef that day, and the doctor looked at me and he was like, "Okay, I, I am yes, maybe pandas, but he kind of wouldn't tell me more. He was like, because I was like, my, you know." I mean, to go way back, we think I did my uh, senior exhibition in high school on obsessive compulsive disorder because hmm. my sister had this bout of OCD that kind of like took over, which she outgrew, which now mm-hmm. looking back, we think she probably had a very mild hmm, case of pandas. Mm. Yeah. And so um, I, it just like all the light bulbs went off. And so we started treating her and literally four days into the antibiotic I didn't, I would not even say it out loud, but I called my husband and I'm like, he's, he was at work that day. And I was like, okay, I don't even want to say it out loud, but he was like, don't say it. I already know. Like, she's totally different. She's, she's back. What? That's, I mean. She was back. Like kind of just makes me like mm-hmm. almost tearful. Cause I'm like, you just, I just can't imagine how yeah. rel- much of a relief that was. It was a huge relief. It was, was crazy. And she was back. So four days in, like she stopped licking her hands she st- she started sleeping, no fear of water. Um, I mean, it was amazing. And she a night back. terror, I don't, my four, almost five-year-old has occasional night terrors. I don't know if poppies were this full. Like, if your child has had a night terror, it's not a nightmare, right? So a yeah. nightmare, they get up, they're upset, and they, but then you can kind of like rationalize with them and get them back to sleep. Mm-hmm. A night terror is a full on, yeah. they're dead in the eyes, they're mm-hmm. awake, they're screaming, they're literally violently assaulting you. Yeah. Like, I don't know if poppies were that way. I mean, uh-huh. some of them, yeah. Whereas, like, she, like with Evie, she'll be like, it's like she wants me to hold her, but also mm-hmm. she's like kicking me in the face yes. at the same time. And I, yeah. so, I mean, a night terror to be repeating that like every night, I can't, I mean, it was bad. You, you cannot function yeah I mean it's horrible it was bad it's horrible but they did but it was all gone like literally four days in and so we kept her on the antibiotic and so that's this is where things get kind of like iffy I can go back now and I can say okay at that point in time I I needed somebody to tell me what to do from there and I kind of got lost so that then that's where we got lost in the shuffle a little bit and 
so it went away and we were fine for a good six months. Okay. We were good. Yeah. And there was nothing. And then we were at the beach and we were actually with my in-laws and it was 4th of July. And my mother-in-law looked at me and was like, something, Poppy's licking her hands again. And I'm like, I saw it. I saw it yesterday. She kind of started doing an eye blink with her eyes. Oh, gosh. And I was like, but I also had my answer. I was like, she has strep. Like, without a doubt, she has strep. And right. so I had some, I mean, we did some things probably, like, illegally, but I had an <laughs> uncle there. That's right. And, Whatever. And, like, a brother-in-law. And we they all were do like, it. Call it in. Yeah. So I... So we called it in. We called yeah. in. I, I think at that time I was like, so now you can get Seftonir and you can't get Omnicef. You might know about this more. It's just like, brand, like, like all the brand name. But yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want the Omnicef. I want the good stuff. So we got the Omnicef. And, <laughs> it's the same. And it went away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It went away. So yeah. it was gone and we didn't deal with it again. And then I'm... It got it got worse. So every so what I knew was every time she got strep and every time strep got in her body. I mean, I know now that her brain became inflamed. But at that time, I just thought, okay, we get rid of the strep, we get rid of the problem, and that worked for almost like a year and a half. I was literally treating her myself. How so, often? Like every couple so of months? It was, or? Yeah. So every couple of months, she would get strep. Yeah. And so, like, get sick with strep, or she no, just would have just the, the symptoms. symptoms. So the no, panda symptoms. Nothing else. No throat hurting. No, it was all just psychological symptoms for yeah. her. And yeah. so we just knew, like in our minds, like our family unit knew the symptoms come back, she has strep. And so, and it's not the case for every panda's child. Like some of them get different, everybody gets different symptoms. And that's right. why I think it makes it so hard to diagnose for this illness too, yeah. because yeah. everybody's different. Some kids right. stop eating, some children rage. We never had the rage, but we did have kind of like some food aversions. Um, I bet what's sad though, too, is like, I bet there's every mom in America is like, oh my gosh, like we've been through some version yes. of this, but like, probably, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. I mean, I think most of the, like most of the mothers are like, okay, this all makes sense. This is it's not, not because there are, I mean, when I did, when we finally got a specialist, my specialist did sit down with me and she was like, you do realize I see people that come in here and they want they know, this right. illness. They want this illness to, to be explain the illness it. for their child yeah. and it's not. And um, so there are a lot of different stories, but we, this is where we knew we had to find a specialist. I like, things got crazy and I don't know if you want me to jump it. Like, so this is where we gave her. Is that when you went to Washington? But this is before we went to Washington, before we got a specialist, we got her the flu mist vaccine. And so this is where we kind of get, this is where things got fuzzy with the vaccine, like with the vaccine issue. And this is kind of where. You gave her the mist. So though? she got the mist. So it's important this, to know that the mist is a live attenuated yes. vaccine, right? It's different. So most vaccines are not live. So I think so the mist, that's important to know. It is important. But the so just because we haven't touched on on the topic of vaccines yet on this mm-hmm. podcast, and if you want me to just tell, so I'm just going to keep telling the story. Yeah, whatever. So we you went. Want to talk? The doctors at this point have kind of been like, eh, she might have pandas, she might not. These are the doctors in. And West Ashley. And I'm like, okay. So they're like, but you are about to have... So this was maybe two weeks after her last strep infection, right? And so treated her with antibiotics, took everything away. And that continued probably about six episodes of strep. Mm -hmm. Anytime the strep would come back, the symptoms would return, we'd treat her and she'd go back to normal. Mm -hmm. So about two weeks out from that, it is... They're like, you're... You know, you should think about doing the flu vaccines for your kids Mm -hmm. because you're about to have a baby. Mm -hmm. You really... You need to do this. 
just to protect your family. I mean, it's December, yeah, like blue season. So at this point, I am completely. I'm just like, okay, you know, whatever. So I, sh- I don't question anything, and my children do not like shots at all. So I'm like, okay, we'll do the flu mist. That flu mist vaccine was recalled, right. the one that that we gave her. So we shot a live. A live, you know, a live yeah. virus into her nasal cavity. Well, when you research pandas, you know that it's there's a breach somewhere in the blood-brain barrier. Right. We don't know how. We don't know where. This is all being like worked out through research and through neurologists now. But within probably 12 hours of giving her the flu mist vaccine, we spiraled into just this. It was a nightmare. Yeah, like a full-on. I was, this is where Drew and I literally were, were fra- like, we were afraid. Like, we thought we were going to, like, lose our child. Like, it was just awful. Her pupils dilated past her eyes. And I, I deleted the pictures. I took pictures because I was so yeah. afraid. Like, we didn't even know her. So her pupils dilated past her eyes. And we got home, and within 12 hours, she was hiding in the closet. I hate myself. I want to die. I don't want to be around. I mean, this is... Literally, she's she just six, six at this point. Yeah, and so it was extreme. I mean, to the point where we did not even know who she was. All panda symptoms came full, like literally rushing back. But on top of it, it was extreme depression. I mean, to the point where if it was horrifying, it was like an it was like if we would have taken her to the hospital, they would have put her in a psychiatric unit, like yeah. without a doubt. And yeah. so. I literally, my husband and I were just in tears and I started Googling and I still didn't equate it to the, to the flu mist. And so yeah. I was like, what is going on? So the next day I rushed back to the doctor's office and they were like, well, she just had the strep and then we gave her the flu mist. And they were kind of like, we don't want to say that maybe we messed up and maybe, so it just got weird. And so I went home that night and I just started Googling yeah. specialist pandas, doctors, and I had they even said at that point fully that they no. that they were like, oh, this is definitely what no. she has? She didn't fully have – that one doctor did, but the other ones were like, you're kind of crazy, Mom. Like, they still kind of had this feeling I wonder why. Like, why – I don't – you know, I, call, I called them back to tell them, like, when we officially got the diagnosis, and I was like, you, fa- like, you failed us. Like, yeah. I hope – you know, our – oh, my God, we had great doctors, though. Like, we had the Dr. Sh- um, Willie's – Yeah, love him. Ticker tonsils out, right? Yes. (laughs) So just like we had some doctors that had never heard of it. And then he he called me. He's like, this is my mission now. Like, I want to know about this illness. Like, um, That's how I knew about it was from working in ENT. And we would see it occasionally. Mm -hmm. But you like, we're not the ones that treat it. So it was just we're there to take the tonsils out and... We and kind that of was read pr- about it and yeah. be like, well, it seems like pretty random and way vague and rare. And, yeah. But we would take the tonsils out and move on, you know? Because that's the problem. There's no person that really treats it. Like the right. pediatrician doesn't. And nobody, like, so we saved money. We flew. We saw the pediatrician. She looked through all her records. In D.C., right? In D.C. Dr. Yeah. Latimer is who we see. We still see her um, yeah. now. And um, she's amazing. And she's done this since 2000. She's worked specifically with PANS, PANDAS. Um, and other things like cerebral palsy. She works with all, anything neurological. Mm-hmm. But so we went there. They, you know, di- within minutes, she was like, did, yeah. you know, it's cognitive. You know, it's all, you know, they looked at everything like cognitively and didn't run tests. There's no, that's what I'm to say. There's no physical, no. there's no objective data. No. Right. For this. So there's no tests that they can run to diagnose her. 
which I no. think is probably quite frustrating. It you is. Know, it's not like, well, we'll do a CT or an MRI of her brain and that'll give us the answer. It won't. It's all based on, do you fit the criteria or not? Yeah. Yeah. And so she fit it. And I mean, they ru- they'll run your strep titers and they'll, they'll do all that if you don't, if you can't diagnose this. But I mean, they could see right there that every time mm-hmm. I gave her the antibiotic, mm-hmm. every time we treated her. Um, but they went back years. I mean, they went to when she was two and a half and we treated for her, her for this chronic yeast infection that mm-hmm. she had, that she actually had perianal strep. And we were just like <gasps> treating her what? and treating her. So oh. that's the other thing. Like people don't think like you've got like swab the rapid test of the throat. So then I knew everything I'd asked for. If any symptoms came up, yeah. rapid, rapid test of the throat and of like the rectum. And like we just always from that moment knew she probably had, there were soft signs there that then they were able to like point out like that she had. So this has been a long story, but yeah, so we treated it. We, we got home. Um, the first thing she wanted to do was a plasma transfusion, like right away. And I said, no, it scared me. I was like, I don't know if I want to do the IVIG yet. Like, well, it also, you know, cost a good, you know, $18,000. And, um, so I was like, we, so we got home, Dr. Willie took out her tonsils and mm-hmm. her adenoids mm-hmm. and they don't do that for every pandas patient. Like they, it's all like a game because the research is just not fully there yet. And so, but from that moment right. on, Poppy never had strep again. Yeah. Um, we struggled at, in that just like, at least our, you mean by swab, by she never swab. had strep, but, right. by, okay. but what like, with it being autoimmune, so every time she's around somebody with strep, she'll she'll start flaring. So yeah. she'll have like many flares. They're not near like right now. I'm saying she's ninety percent. Mm-hmm. Like she's ninety. She, we're probably going to always be ninety percent. Right. Um, but she still flares a little bit. And so yeah. that was like also like a game. I'd call, but having the specialist save me. So I'd call the specialist and I'd be like, she's kind of acting a little bit off. And she's like, somebody in your house has strep. And I'm like, no, everybody's fine. And she's like, no, somebody in your house has strep. So then here I would go back to the pediatrician. I'd take my whole family, and they'd be like, nobody has any symptoms. And I'm like, Please swap, swap them. my child. Right. I'm like, she's... here I go. And Edith had, st- I mean, Edith had strep at nine months, and that would that sent Poppy into a flare. Gosh, that's so wild. You got you need to write a book. I mean, it's I wild. But they would tell me, the pediatricians would tell me, no, nine-month-olds don't really get strep. Like, you're, they she's, don't. It's going to be negative. It's, right. it's going to be negative. And so I would act a fool and be crazy in the doctor's office, and I'm like, I'm not le-. It was like a literal fight to get a strep test. I'm like, right. I'm paying. Like, give me a strep test. And so they would strep Edith, and it would come back positive. And I would, oh, yeah, I would, like, do a little victory dance and, yeah. like, be embarrassing and do a little bit more crazy and be like, yeah. I told you somebody had strep. Right. And so... That kind of was our story for forever until, but the thing was that we never really, after that flu mist and that, that live virus that I shot into her head, we never really got her back ever. When before we were kind of getting her back, like every little, we would just treat her with antibiotics. So we got the tonsils removed and then we ended up when she was in first grade, into first grade, we got a plasma transfusion and it, um, it, it brought her back. I mean, and then yeah. we just treat flares as they come now. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. With? With. Amoxicillin with, or steroids? So or? Ster- and that's the other thing. So steroids work for some kids. They don't for other. We do. Right. So we will put her on ibuprofen and do like the biggest dose liquid ibuprofen right. um, that you can do around the clock. And then 
we take her to the doctor and like, like just recently, I mean, we, it had been almost a year, no symptoms. And then just three weeks ago, I'm, I started thinking, oh my gosh, she's, her separation anxiety is so extreme. She's mm-hmm. so worried what's going on. And we come to find out, she kept saying, my tooth hurts, my tooth hurts. Well, she had a trauma to a tooth a few years ago. Uh-huh. It had finally died. So she had an abscess. Oh. And so we took her to the doctor. Struck we abscess, took probably. yeah, we yeah. took care of the abscess and the infection. She had to get a root canal and all the symptoms are gone. So we just yeah. treat every infection as it comes and it takes care of the symptoms. That's so fascinating. I mean, it really is and and what I think what I love talking to you about too is is just so for people listening, if you don't, a lot of people know this, but my brother and dad are both pediatricians. Obviously, I'm a nurse practitioner. But so when I first started talking to Allie about it, it's like, you know, it's it's pretty rare in the literature. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but yeah, but look at how vague this is. I mean, the literature is test or di- not even tested, but diagnosed numbers. Right. And look at how long she had it before she actually had a diagnosis, mm-hmm. right? So she had it for years, had seen multiple pediatricians, mm-hmm. and never had a diagnosis until you took her multiple states away to a specialist, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it is more prevalent than we realize. It, but like we were talking about earlier, I mean, gosh, there is no test for it. So it's hard to diagnose, mm-hmm. I think, or probably. I mean, it just knowing how you have to subjectively dose, diagnose things, it, it can be tough, particularly with a diagnosis like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it there is. are kids that have OCD. Yeah. There are kids that have ODD, you know, rage issues. Yeah. So, so separately, these issues exist with their own diagnosis, right? So like mm-hmm. if you have ADD, you're more like, then you're more likely to have ODD, right? Oppositional defiance disorder. So those two things kind of go together. And just to kind of be fair or whatever. Yeah. It is, you don't look for the most rare thing, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I do. I'm like, well, why, why then if you've got, like if I have a child or a, or an adult, you know, that's got a weird thing going on and they bring something into me, I do think it's my job Mm -hmm. to then read about it and discern whether or not I think that, that, that learning more about that is going to be helpful to diagnose that person. So I want to tell y'all about hands down my favorite local store to get anything for my home, Celadon. And if you live in Charleston, you know Celadon is always getting new stuff in. They basically are always having a sale. So right now their sale is 25% off anything that has to do with dining. So dining tables, sideboards, dining chairs. I am obsessed with Celadon. I would say the majority of my stuff in my house is from there. And key point to note, Celadon has free beer, wine, coffee, and tea all the time while you're shopping. And they also have a little corner where your kids can watch TV. So you can literally go have a glass of wine while your kid watches a movie and buy some stuff. I mean, I don't know what else you guys want. Really? What do you, what else do you want? But seriously, I, I, it is probably my, one of my all time favorite stores. So they have a website. If you're not local to Charleston, it's celadonathome.com. They ship. They also have a warehouse. I don't know if you're aware of that too, but it's out in North Charleston on Noisette Boulevard where the Navy shipyard thing is. And I have found some incredible deals there too. And they have sales on sales at the warehouse. So, I mean, guys, Celadon is my jam. 
It has been my favorite place to get things for our, we've had three houses in different houses in Charleston. We move a lot and every time we move, I hit up Celadon first. It's the best. Well, I think, yeah, and I think the hope is that what will happen is that, well, so they know now, like the research is happening, the tests are happening now, they're trying to find, you know, they know that specifically it is the basal ganglia that this affects. So they Mm -hmm. know like, you know, the powerhouse where all these things are, OCD, everything kind of is in that same area. Mm -hmm. And so the hope is that if a child comes to a pediatrician and they present any of these symptoms... Mm -hmm. It might be negative, but the hope would be like, especially in our state, because we are so behind that the nurses, the doctors automatically ask the nurse to, to give a swab. Swab for strep. Yeah, just swab for strep. That's the, the main hope with this. But a lot of people will get the strep being negative and they're like, oh, well, my child doesn't have this. Right. And that cannot be the case because there's pans too. Like ours was cut and dry. Ours was strep Right. Related. We need to address the difference between pans two. And, and pandas. Mm-hmm. So. PANS is P-A-N-S, which is Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder. Syndrome, yeah. Syndrome, okay. And so that's, the names have, like, really screwed us up because yeah. PANDAS is bad. It's just bad. Like, so now they want to say, like, autoimmune encephalitis of the basal ganglia. That's what a lot of neurologists are saying. They want to call it something different. Yeah, they want to just let, it's all under one umbrella. Yeah. But, um, because... Like, Poppy, I mean, she moved in. I I think the flu mist, I mean, this is clearly not medical. I think that the flu mist moved her into, like, more of a pans category. Versus pandas? Yeah, because... Because before it had always been strep Before it had always been strep. And then now she's triggered by the flu. So if she gets around people with the flu, if she gets around... But at the same time, those things can mimic strep in the body. So, like, they explained it to me that, like, if your child gets just tonsillitis, not strep, or if your child gets... Um, a sinus infection, whatever, your yeah. immune system is going to activate. Still and those, auto, right. those antibodies are still going to send that signal to the brain. And so I think a lot of people are not as cut and dry. Luckily, like for us, we were very, it's strep. So I don't know as much about PANS to cover, like to really say as much, but a lot of people are just triggered by mycoplasma. And then they just have to treat the mycoplasma in the body and then the symptoms go away. And yeah. so... It gets tricky. Well, she, so it's all, they're all called pediatric. So are they, do they feel like it'll go away when she's an adult or we don't know yet? Cause it's so, they so don't new. Know. Yeah, and it's the brain. Know. So like the, before it was, and like, if I looked at my sister, like she quickly outgrew it. They're, they're now questioning, do they go through puberty? If they get it before puberty right. and they go through puberty, does it kind of knock them out of it? But also. Because that can happen with a lot of autoimmune things that are interesting, pregnancy yeah. mediated. You, it gets like, say you've got, um, celiac or uh-huh. rheumatoid arthritis when you get pregnant you may get way better or you may get way worse right yeah. so all these hormones we, we don't know or you may have had it all along and then all of a sudden you're pregnant and it goes bananas right so it's yeah. the hormones we just don't know what well that and that's the is. hope but it's also the brain so like they're it's yeah. affecting the brain, so the brain's going to change over time. And that's right. why the early diagnosis, like, if Poppy had gotten a strep test, so it snowballs. She clearly had strep. She got strep again. Yeah. We got strep again when we were in Charleston. She probably got it right when we moved to Charleston, and Drew and I had it. And that's when the hand licking started and all the severe symptoms. It was like a snowball. Yeah. And so our, like most of the moms, the idea is that if you go and you get a strep culture right away at age three, when you think those like when those symptoms come up, we could have saved like a lifetime, like for a lot of children, a lifetime. Like they go into age seventeen. I mean, I just talked to 
a mom recently that got diagnosed, I mean, six years. I can imagine because like, let's say you had just stuck with what the original plan was, right? Mm -hmm. So you went to occupational therapy, then you go to psychiatrist, you put her on Prozac. I mean, maybe her OCD symptoms would have gotten better, but you would have never known the root cause of it. So she would have had these quote unquote other behavioral issues. So she would have gotten probably five or six diagnoses before she was age 10. Yeah. That you'd be constantly kind of working in separate camps to Mm -hmm. fix, right? So she's going to psychiatrist for the OCD. She's going to OT for the, you know, whatever behavioral issue, like all these separate things, but without ever gotten a, a, Mm -hmm. without ever having gotten a full answer, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? So I can, I mean, I can imagine then she'd be 16, 17. Who knows? You would have never gotten her tonsils out. Nope. Never gotten, certainly never gone to a specialist. Never gone to a specialist. So let's talk about the vaccine too, because I love, and everybody probably who listens knows that I'm like very pro vaccine. My, you know, like I said, my dad and my brother are both pediatricians, but I, I'm also really of the belief that you know, there's obviously plenty of support for vaccines, but what there's not support for right now is questions, you mm-hmm. know, like what, what are we supposed to do if you've got a child with something autoimmune where, you know, now it hugely affected her. And so what's interesting, so Allie and I have conversations about this all, just so y'all know, like Allie and I talk about this stuff all the time. This is not like, mm-hmm. no, we're not putting each other on the spot of like, she knows my opinion. I know her opinion, obviously mm-hmm. we're, we're friends and have been for a long time, but, um, so I posted something about the flu vaccine. When was that? Like, that was several months ago. Because it was, like, during flu season. Yeah. And Allie wrote me and just said, wait, something. Well, the way you said it was like this, you know, that makes it really. I had posted, shared something from somebody else. That was pretty blunt. Yeah. And, um, I was I, like, you're kind of. I was like. I think it was Amanda <laughs> Howell. Shout out to Amanda. I love Amanda Howell. She is super <laughs> blunt. Like, but she works in public health. And so she's very cut and dry. And I shared something. And Allie was like. That's just, well, that makes it a little bit, like, scary, and that's kind of fear-mongering, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, but listen, and we had this great discussion where Allie was saying, you know, we're terrified for Poppy to get the, the flu, or, you know, and that I knew that y'all weren't getting the flu vaccine. And I said, from my point of view, no one is talking about the fear of the flu, right? Mm-hmm. Like, ex- except I feel like healthcare providers. And so we had this great discussion of the flu killed 80,000 people in America, not worldwide, in America last year. And you were like, whoa, I didn't even mm-hmm. realize that. And that was, I said, that's... No, you told me like a, per- I think you told me a personal story about someone literally dying from the flu. Because I'm like, yeah, but just complications from the flu. You're like, no, like, oh, remember? right, right. Okay, and I'm we, like, we were talking about the verbiage mm-hmm. of, because you said, there was, you sent me an article that was like, you know, people are calling it the flu, but it's complications of the flu. And I was like, dude, that's not, well, yeah, but if you mm-hmm. don't have the flu, you wouldn't have had complications yeah. of the flu, right? And yeah, so I, I probably told you about one of, I had a couple of really young patients in ENT, which where we do like tracheostomies and everything. I had a 42-year-old guy who that was, was totally healthy and got the flu, went into acute respiratory distress syndrome Mm -hmm. or ARDS and was on a ventilator for like two months. And once you're on a ventilator for longer than a week or two, we put in a trach to protect your airway, a tracheostomy, which is the whole, like when you breathe through the, (laughs) Allie's making a face, when you breathe through the plastic thing in your neck, um, to protect your airway from basically disintegrating over time. Right. So Mm -hmm. 
it's a larger conversation, but that's why we're all like freaking out about COVID because you're on a ventilator and blah, blah, blah. So it just started this good discussion between the two of us of this is why we press people to get the flu vaccine in the first place because it, it kills a significant amount of people and, and people don't really acknowledge that mm-hmm. because a lot of us get it. We're healthy. We get the flu. It sucks. But then we move on. Mm-hmm. But you don't realize the reason. I mean, they're protecting. So pregnant women are at huge risk for massive complications from the flu, right? So when you and Poppy and Henry all got the flu, well, they got the mist. It wasn't really just to protect the kids. I mean, it was to protect you and then baby mm-hmm. Edith. Because, yeah. I mean, if a, babe, if a newborn baby gets the flu, I mean, that's de- life ending i mean it's horrible it's yeah truly so anyway that's where we had this great discussion of we're not we can't answer ask these questions right like there's no middle of can we just talk about it like can we or i and i kept saying everything you post is very like pro vaccine pro vaccine vaccine. and i'm like which is good but you're going to drive away people that might not be anti-vaccine but might be like pro vaccine safety, which is like what I call myself. Right. Like, and so I don't like, I didn't want you to drive away people and only keep one little group. Cause I'm like, no, like then we and, all get in a bubble. Yeah. Right. And then I was like, and share, share that personal story of like the guy, the 42 year old guy, like, right. Because people aren't really scared of the flu. Like I agree. Like yeah. I, but for an infant, yes. For a, like, that's why I was like, Oh, right. I've got to get the flu mist for my kids. Like I don't right. want, you know, my child to get the flu, but I think it was more about just like having an, we're able to have an open dialogue that's like right. behind a screen saying like, you know, this private just to be like, okay, I see your side and I see your side. Like right. there has to be like a middle ground where people can question when they go into the doctor, Right. wait, what is this again? And why am I doing this? You, I don't have to be clumped into like a category of like, you know, don't ever vaccinate my child, but I can also be like, wait, why does she need a Hep B vaccine right now? Right. Or right. And do I have the, to do What the are the mask? risks of getting it? What are the risks of not getting it? Yeah. Right. So I think that's also different for a lot of people. And, and, you know, you're in a unique category where you can say, we had a very clear reaction Mm-hmm. to this live vaccine, right? Which has now it's, you know, has since been recalled. It's not, mm-hmm. re, you know, recommended for children ever. And it's, you know, we, Ugh. I know, you <laughs> see the, the yeah. heaps. But yeah, it just, it, it does. It just brings up a bigger conversation too that I don't really think is being had because I, I, I see the two camps. I mean, mm-hmm. I see the two camps very clearly. And where is the middle? You know, you, I, I, yeah, there's a middle. Yeah, there I think should you do. be. And luckily, I have a... So my pediatrician now, I mean, she is pro-vaccine, vaccinates right. all all of her patients fully. Right. But she, like, allows my conversation. She has very little time, but I say to her, I'm, I'm worried. Like, I'm freaked out about giving this booster right now. Right. And so right. she'll be like, okay, tell me what's freaking you out. Like, right. tell me about this. Let's talk about this. And I'm like, well, it freaks me out that... They're all combined. When we were little, they weren't all combined. Like, why Why do we have to overload her system? Because I am, so I have, like, the weird, yes, so I have a child who has an, you know, immune deficiency, but my other children I don't know about yet. And right. so, like, I have to, I question everything that I put into their body just because I could send them, I feel that if, 
if I do something wrong, I could send them into a spiral. That's a lot of pressure. I know that's a lot of pressure on myself, but yeah. um, my pediatrician answers me clearly. She's like, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to do this right now. And I'm like, right. okay. So then it's like, just, you need to do it at yeah. some point. Or you don't, you know, like you don't have to get a flu vaccine ever for your child. Like, right. you know that now. And so I just Which wave. is interesting, though, because if she gets the flu, I mean, I feel like you're in kind of a lose-lose So that's why I'm not situation. anti-vaccine. Right. I want right. other people to get right. the flu vaccine. So I that's want- so important, I feel like, to note. So because there, I know there are going to be people that listen to this and are like, see, we shouldn't get the flu shot. But I'm like, well, if all of us said that, yeah. the flu would be even more rampant than it is right now or in the flu season. And then we're not protecting the people that we really have to protect, right? Like, yeah. if Poppy gets it, that's a huge problem. Yeah, she got it this year. She got, she got flu A this year, and it was bad. Evie had it twice this year. What the hell? Flu A, mm-hmm. twice. Well, she had flu A. And we knew, like, we, right. because she was just off. And, like, she did, but she got a fever. So she, before, by the way, every time she got strep, she never got a fever. Right. And so we know her immune system's working. We know the IVIG and the plasma transfusion worked because mm-hmm. she got a fever for the first time in years. And we were very happy she had a fever and her immune system worked in was that able way. to fight off the flu. Yeah, and yeah. not in the other way. So she did okay? Yeah, she did okay. Yeah. She was okay. Yeah. I mean, we didn't give her Tamiflu yeah. um, just because we just, like, we had it there if we needed it. But Yeah. Oh, um, it's, really, it's more for yeah. symptoms, not like it's... And we have a specialist now that we call. We're like, okay, we do we give her the Tamiflu? And then yeah. she'll tell us, yeah, give it to her. Or, or no. You know, so. So but, what could your, this is what I want, hopefully, medical people that are listening to take away. Like, what, gosh, I mean, there are so many things. And there's so many internet ninja parents now that, mm-hmm. you know, find all this random. It, listen, it's hard. I mean, it is hard to be a provider. Like, I want to put that out very clearly like we have like you said your pediatrician doesn't have much time I mean if you are in any it doesn't matter the specialty now because we're all on a system called RVUs right where basically the more or typically unless you're in private practice that's two semantics potato potato (laughs) but we're all being pressured to see more people faster Mm -hmm. right And it's not even necessarily about how much we're billing or how much we're collecting. It's how many people in this certain amount of time. So your 15-minute office visit, there may be two or three people booked for that 15 minutes, right? So your 15-minute turns into seven minutes or four minutes or whatever. And so it is really difficult to go through, you know, weed through all the, the random crap that people bring in. But... I, so I don't know. I don't even know what I'm asking. Like, how would you have, I mean, I know you've said to those mm-hmm. pediatricians, like you failed our family. Like, what did they say? I mean, were they like, I'm sorry or no, I mean, <laughs> no, but not really. You know, okay. the, my pediatrician, the ones here, you know, the ones in Columbia did not like, I think everyone was kind of learning. Like I think five years ago compared to now with this illness is right. so much better. But, um, I mean, yes, just if our, the hope is just give us, like, give a strep test right away. Like, yeah. not a psychiatric or symptoms are not always psychiatric. Like, there, yeah. you know, there's always the fact or the, the, like, the idea that it could be caused by something environmental or something inside the body. So, like, just really that, but also, 
I'm, I was one of those parents that took my child to the doctor all the time. Like, Poppy went to the doctor all the time. I'm like, her legs hurt. Her, like, she's having all this pain in her shins. It hurts. So we could see that at age three. I took her multiple times, and the doctor noted it. Like, leg pain, extreme leg pain. Like, well, that's a soft sign for pandas. So, like, I, I hate that I took up that time. I'm like, okay, that was kind of, like, okay, that was kind of crazy. Why did I keep going to the doctor? But then my when I went to the specialist, they were able to say, okay, well, you see where you took her to the doctor like multiple times right. in this month for this yeast infection and for this, this leg pain, those are soft signs. Like they're not out there because we don't put them out there because then parents are going to then think, oh, well, she has leg she pain. Had, right. Leg pain. Now yes. she's got pandas. Right. And it's not the case, but I am happy that I was able to go back and see that. So I think just taking the time, but also at, be able to ask your doctor what it like, what is this vaccine? What does it do? Te- mm-hmm. Like, go home. Re- do not get on the internet and get on groups. Thank like, you. literally. My God, thank you. Look it up yourself. <laughs> right, like, what? Right. So, what? Do right. I want to get my child the Gardasil vaccine? Look it up. Right. Does my child have any immune problems? Is, like, did my child just, was my child just sick with an infection? Could right. my child have an immune problem? Like, work it all out on your own. There, but there is a medium. I mean, I think there's a huge group that is very, I just want safe vaccines. I just want vaccines made here right. in America. I just want, like, there's a group so, of us. I, by the way, on all these groups, they say that we import vaccines from China. No, we do not. I want that to be very clear. We do not have vaccines in this country that are made in China. Just to put Oh, that I didn't up. know that. that. I thought is, vaccines were made in China. No, we do not make vaccines I mean, so they're all made not, in America. I don't know where they're all made, but okay. like tons of medicine comes from Ireland, Germany, but we don't import vaccines from China. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'm going to research that later when we you go. Let me know. <laughs> when we go home. You let me know. But but I think that it's ask, just asking the questions, right. like going in and saying, right. You know, and your doctor should be able to answer you. Like when you go in for a. a a gynecology appointment. Like right. they strap your legs up and you're like, wait, what are you putting in me? Like what, wait, what's that? Like put my leg on the sternum. What right. are you going to do? And when it, it's gotten to a point where we take our kids and it's like, okay, here's this, this, and this, and I'm going to give them these now. And we don't ask. Right. It's okay to just ask. Right. It's okay to ask the question. So I think taking the time to answer it, but also know there's a group of people that are not, you know, completely, I hate the term even to clump people in and like those categories themselves, but like anti-vax, pro-vax, like there's a medium and you don't like alarms don't have to go off when people start asking questions. Right. I agree. I think, I I do think the alarm immediately goes off Mm -hmm. and I'll say, I mean, that's what my dad said. He was like, yeah, I mean, basically if somebody says that like start, you know, says, well, his was a little different. He, he said, (laughs) my dad, Bless him. He's 71. He's been practicing for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, there are things he can diagnose in kids, like looking at them across the room. You know, yeah. it's fascinating. I mean, he really is, it, it's, he's brilliant. But we were talking about pandas and I was asking him this and he, was, he knew about it, but he was like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it, which maybe yeah. he probably has, you know, and just doesn't even know it. But he was like, I mean, I can just tell if, I, if a mom sits down and they're immediately like staunchly, we're not going to vaccinate. Then, then his, he was like, well, we're probably not going to agree on a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. If that's your position. So maybe, I mean, for both sides, right? Like yeah. if you immediately go to the pediatrician, you're like, I'm not willing to vaccinate and you can't have a conversation about it. Like, well, gosh, we're, I don't, I mean. Yeah. What's it's interesting is why do you think like, why not you personally, but like, as an anti-vaxxer, like, why would you think, so I posted this other day, 
someone is getting rich off vaccines, okay? I don't know who it is. The people that are, work for Merck, sure. I don't know those people, right? Yeah. It costs my dad to give vaccines. I he, saw you posted right? that. Yeah, he doesn't make money. That. He was like, oh, that's funny that people think that. We lose money on vaccines, mm-hmm. right? So who? what is the motivation for pediatricians to keep, and all of us, to keep pushing for vaccines if we're not making money? Like, why? I, that's my question. Is, well, because vaccines work. We know they work. Right. We know they work. So, you know, we don't, we don't want our children to have the measles. Like, I, I don't personally want right. my child. You right. know, like... So we do know vaccines work, um, and I'm not. I can't speak for everybody that doesn't vaccinate, um, but <laughs> but I, you know, I can't. So I don't know the answer for. I think it's all personal. Like for me, it is right. a very personal choice. Like it's kind of like where you pick your for your child to go to school. Like wh- it is very personal, and like within the past, what sort of? Fit, I, well, yeah, mm-hmm. I know it. Yeah, well, in the. For me, it is personal, right? Like, because right, right, right. it personally affected me. It affects me, your child in a very specific way. And I didn't way. just make a choice. Like I didn't say, you know what? I, I'm just going to make this choice today. Right. Like it, uh, it affected her. It, you know, brought just horrific results. Like it, it just was bad. Right. So I do question it. I think a lot of people. I think we can question everything, but I think. Big pharma exists. We know that. Like we I can't know, even go into yeah, We yeah. know people are making money. I right. do have a problem with that. I mean, I we all here. But so do providers. Yes, but I'd, that's not my re, the right. reason for my choice. That will never be the reason why I do something right. with my child medically right. or not. Like everybody's making money off of everything. I mean, I right. You know, post pictures on Instagram. Some you know somebody's making money off my pictures, and a lot of times it's not me. Like right. right. So. You know, we can do that with everything. I do not do that with vaccines. Yeah. You no, know? no, you don't. No. I so, just mean for the bigger conversation because yeah. I do feel like I want to ask those questions and I don't know who to ask them to. You know, I'm like, I, I don't feel like I can ask a Without person it getting who, heated? Right. I yeah. just, I don't feel like I, I'm allowed to say, what, what do you think the motivation is? You know, and I personally, I know that. I have been to multiple, you know, developing nations where, you know, my husband and I started a, um, organization that builds hospitals in Uganda and Central America and some other African countries. But, um, so we have actually seen mumps, Mm -hmm. right? We've actually seen measles. We've actually seen children with polio, right? Like no one here in our lifetime until the resurgence of measles recently, no one has seen a child with polio for what? 80 years, I mean, 90 years, it's been almost a century. And so we've lost any fear Mm -hmm. of these childhood, what were childhood diseases, right? Because we eradicated them. Yeah. So smallpox, the last people who were vaccinated for that was our parents' age. So gosh, like 70 years ago. And without that, I mean... Oh my gosh, if we yeah. still had smallpox, I mean, y'all think COVID is bad. Like, I mean, talk about shut the world down. Like, we literally could not continue to function if small with smallpox because now we get on planes, we're traveling across the globe. I mean, it's very different now. So, well, and it's personal. You saw, so you saw, I have firsthand. seen it personally. Yeah. Right. And so I right. think that's also, well, I mean, you and your husband, like, y'all are, you are, you are, Claire is a very, research base like it's all about research and I get that like yeah and I love some research but then like poppy's that 
was that example where I'm like, wait, I'm questioning everything. So I think that you've seen it firsthand. Absolutely. I've seen it. We've both seen what vaccines do positive and negative firsthand. And so there's a medium conversation. There's a conversation in the middle that can happen where you don't have to go into the conspiracy theories, like way over far on the like big pharma side. And you can, you can stay in the middle and you can also not go like, you better fully vaccinate. You better get, you know, every flu vaccine, uh, you know? So I think it's just staying in the middle and doing it, like having that conversation. There can be, I mean, I posted like, something about, I posted something that was shared from Robert Kennedy's, uh, it was like, it wasn't even anti-vax. It mm-hmm. was something about. Just something he said. Yes. Oh my gosh. On my Instagram. And it was about, I mean, I think it had, I don't even know what it had to do with, but at the time, but it was something about, it wasn't even about vaccines, but I got flooded to my inbox. Yeah. How dare you follow this person? Are you an anti-vaxxer? Unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. And I'm like, Listen, you don't, first off, even know me. Second right. off, my child has a vaccine injury. Like, right. she was injured by a vaccine. Right. But because, you know, I didn't ask questions, but also she had an immune problem that no one knew about or diagnosed. Like, there, right. it was a trickle effect. But also, like, we can't be so, like, quick to judge. Yeah. Like, even, you know, I mean anti-vaxxers or non-vaxxers or those that are don't like anti-vaxxers it's just there's so much judgment there and I really think it's so personal and I think too that the the judgment doesn't help the conversation I mean it you know it certainly just deepens the divide like Mm -hmm. like everything else I mean it, it is it is a little what's tough for me what's tough for me is having conversations with people when they're citing things that just aren't true, you know, that just are not correct. And that is, that's hard. I mean, that's really, really hard, but that's why we're saying, you know, I love what you said, like, don't get in, don't get in a group, do your own. Mm -hmm. If you want to do your own research, great. But then follow that up with talking to your doctor about it because Nancy and Karen, you know, in the group, Uh live in a vortex of conspiracy a lot of times and yeah. that's really tough and and so you find this information in these groups which like I said is I mean I see these these things and it just makes my blood boil I'm like I, I see it's all this thing about how much how pediatricians get these like bonuses from oh, vaccine companies you have to, well, you have to stay like, out of the groups what like in the hell are with you everything. talking about they don't get nobody's getting a bonus from the vaccine company they don't know like it's just weird I don't even know where this stuff comes from Karen <laughs> Well, I think you have to, I think you have to stay out of the group. It's staying out yeah. of the pandas. I joined a pandas group right yeah, away yeah. and it like left me hopeless, yeah. like scared. Like you've got to stay out of the medical Facebook groups. I totally are good, agree. But they're good for like release of information. It's like, okay, there, here's a specialist in this city. Right. Here's one in this city. Here's one in this state. But when it starts getting like, how do I treat my child for this infection? Get you, for what you need, get in. So I'll yes. tell you too, I'm in one or I mean, I've, Get on, I have a private Facebook account. I have no friends, so please don't try to friend me. I will not accept <laughs> it. But I got back on it because my surgeon at Hopkins, before I had my brain surgery, I have like, I mean, it's super rare and weird, right? I would mm-hmm. be in the same category as I had already seen an ENT, had the workup that was negative for something else. So for years, I had a problem that was undiagnosed. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. but he was like, I really want you to get in this group and just see about you don't have to do anything or say anything and so it was nice for a minute I was like oh okay other people have this other people have it worse other people I'm like okay you stop complaining you don't even need to have the surgery 
But then after a minute, I mean, it gets, yeah. it, it obviously consumes people's lives mm-hmm. and it's all they can talk about. Yeah. And like, you got to get out. And I haven't been back. I mean, that's, I don't, you get, do I have don't to get out. You can check weird. and then you have to leave. You got to go. Right. Because like sometimes a child's foot's falling off. What do we do with right. my child's leg is hanging Take off by a thread. for the love. What do, do I put ointment right. on this? Right. No. Yeah. Take them in. So, yeah, I don't, yeah. And the, I have people call me and ask, they'll get my name from somebody. I just had somebody call two days ago mm-hmm. about their child. And like the first thing I say is, you need a specialist. Like, I'll right. tell you my story. You tell me your story. Like, I'm, I am not a doctor, but you but need you a gotta, specialist you right now. Specialist. And yeah. you need to order this book. And I give them the name of a book that uh-huh. like helped me um, that they can get on Amazon. And then I say, I end the call with, like, here's a Facebook group you can join. Do not join this Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And because they've already joined it, most likely. What's and the it's, book? Um, it's called Childhood Interrupted, and it's okay. a complete guide to pans and pandas. And it's just very, it's just for every parent, and that it like kind of it dumbs it down in a way to where yeah. it's like, okay, like takes you back to the very like start of the illness, like who discovered it how it's progressed, what to do for your child, that you need a specialist. Did a physician write it or who's like Um, a neurologist? It was written by a nurse, I think, and who's also a parent who like basically went through every step that every parent goes through Uh before she found out about her child. Yeah. And then brought him back. I mean, I think he ended up getting IVIG, maybe a, maybe plasmapheresis. I don't know, but it goes through her journey, but it also tells you what to do, what not to do, who to call, you know, other things. That might like sugar, like my child can't have like sugar sensor and you know, anything autoimmune. Hmm. Sugar's not good, it's inflammation. So yeah. yeah. Um, little things like that. But I say don't get on Facebook groups because yeah. you're gonna feel hopeless and like there's no way out of this. And right. that's not the truth. Right. So totally agree. Allie, I mean, I know this was helpful for people. I, there's no way that it wasn't. I mean, I know that there are there's going to be somebody listening today that is just probably crying in the corner. Like, thank you for saying all this. I mean, I'm just, I know it. And I hope, um, I hope a few pediatricians may be listening. I'm going to get that book for my dad and brother. Mm -hmm. Um, Childhood Interrupted, is yeah. that what you said? Okay. And where can people find you if they want to watch? Cause you do post tidbits about Poppy in your life. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I have like a, you know, I don't really post about it anymore just to like protect her, Mm -hmm. but, um, I do have like our whole journey Mm -hmm. is on there under like a hashtag. So my Instagram name is Allie Royal, um, A L L I E R O Y A L L. And, um, I'm fine with people reaching out to me with questions. I have people call me all the time. So if you message me, I'll send you my email, um, and I'll just, I have like a blanket email that I send to people with resources. And the Pandas Network is another great place to find a specialist okay, if you great. have questions. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you all like maybe yeah. those resources. Yeah, if you give it to me and then I'll put it up when our podcast airs next week. Okay. That'll be good. Okay. Yeah. This was awesome. fun. It was good. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks. Love you. Love you. <laughs>